We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine. It's with the ancestors. I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and that really was a Hattori Hanzo sword. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and word of advice, shithead, don't you ever wake up. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Oh my goodness. I think that's the what first... An, what a journey. Yeah, I think that's the first time I've ever quoted a Quentin Tarantino movie. I was, I was thinking last night as I was watching this, I could not remember if this was something you had seen before. Have you seen Kill Bill or any of these? I had seen some snips and snails of, of Kill Bill Volume 1. Like, I think I'd seen some of the, like, House of Blue Leaves segment. Some of that felt familiar. But And maybe I'd seen a bit of the, the Vivica A. Fox uh, segment as well. Oh, that's such a great scene. Yeah. And, like, you know, within the first 15 minutes of the movie, I was like, oh, all right. Well, don't don't get comfy. Um, but otherwise, no. I had no idea what I was getting into. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy. Like, I... This is like true lies level of excitement for me, like this action movie. I really do feel the Kill Bill, both, both volume one and two, is our action movies for actrosexuals. Um, I just was at the edge of my seat, and I loved every second of this rewatch. This is only my second time, but I was just so pumped. <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, I'll, I, I could certainly say, like, I, am, I don't think I've really seen any quentin tarantino movies and every time i say quentin i keep thinking that i'm like hitting it's like when people say it's not toronto it's toronto and i feel like it's like oh yeah quentin, i like, say what quentin, do i say quentin, quentin. i think i say quentin, quentin which sounds weird too quentin. that's even Wait, yeah quentin quentin no i say quentin quentin oh god i sound so pittsburgh quentin quentin <laughs> yin's quentin quentin time is it quentin yeah. time for yin's uh let's go to the eggle uh i yeah. so i actually don't really think i've seen any of his movies and so really today and kill bill are inaugural experiences for me and the world of quentin tarantino oh goodness i feel like this is such a great first movie i feel like it's typically like pulp fiction or this i feel and pulp fiction came before this i believe um Mm -hmm. and i i went on my tarantino i mean first of all welcome to tarantino no wait I messed it up. Tarantino November. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, fellow listeners, I, I'm excited to to cover a couple of these movies. I first came across them because Keon not forced me to watch them, but suggested strongly that we watch them. We watched Volume 1, Volume 2, and Pulp Fiction. Um, but I think Volume 1 and Volume 2 of these movies were, were my favorite. And the age-old question is, which is better volume two or volume one so i think we'll be able to answer that by the end of the month yeah i was gonna say we we should know more at the end of tarantino november you know and and given the amount of of uma it's also like november 
That one doesn't yeah, work right? as well. Yeah. Um, Novumba. Novumba. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I am. I I have seen none of Kill Bill Volume Two, but I have a feeling I will next week. Yes, I am excited for it. And I I got my wires crossed so many times. I was asking asking Keon as we were watching. I said, "Is this scene in this movie?" Because scenes that I really like. But I do feel that both movies have equal like uh draws to them like this one has like that incredible lucy Liu like scene like that is the scene mm. but i i mean to say nothing of vivica a fox too like that is also a short but great scene um i wish it was longer in a way i would i wanted vivica to get her moment but um i loved it i i mean these women especially uma i mean alum of the pod really from smash Yep. And of course, um, that movie that I can never remember. Yes, yeah, uh, Blindness. Has... <laughs> there it is. Yeah, Debbie yes. Miller. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. I, I just love her in this. I think that Lucy Liu is great. Um, and I just, I love a female-led action movie. What can I say? It's really. I mean, that was that was the feeling watching this. I was like, this is so much as you said this is so much action movies for actor sexuals this is so much about the women i mean honestly for a movie that's that has a man's name in the title all of the men at least in kill bill volume one are a complete and total afterthought in the same way that women and female characters were often afterthoughts in the movies that this is inspired by like it's so great to to not have to sit through like long scenes of all men fighting and talking and just waiting for the woman to show up which is usually my experience with these movies yeah and like just like the the way that it's set up the way that it's like it's so stylized and so beautiful to watch in so many ways like even that whole like i I guess we'll call it a cartoon slash anime segment too Mm -hmm. um of lucy lu's character oren ishii uh, was so cool to watch. Um, I have a couple of, I mean, I'm sure maybe you've dabbled in the IMDb. I have some things written down that Keon made sure to tell me um, to bring up on the podcast. So I'm excited. I think it's a great, it's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, I, I figured between you and Keon, you know, you would be the the source of trivia this week. I did a little bit of poking and peeking because I was just sure. curious if some of the like, not saying that I was like, oh, I'm getting all of these references, but I could tell that he was like making a lot of references. Most of them went over my head because I don't really know, um, you know, uh, martial arts movies and whatnot that well. But for sure, yeah, you know, some of the more like the Italian flair and some of the like, you know, the musical choices is like, oh, okay, I see what he's doing, but. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, I all I really knew was that Uma is in it, and she's also known for being in a movie called Hysterical Blindness from 2002 that nobody's seen. So yes. that's the trivia I'm bringing. <laughs> but uh, for anyone who is, not, for some reason, not familiar with uh, the universe of Kill Bill, like the, the, the Kill Bill epic, um, of course, you know, we'll have the full story after next week. But the short of it is it, it's like... The the plot in of itself doesn't reinvent the wheel at all. It's like woman yeah. goes on a killing spree to get revenge for her near death and the death of you know uh, you know all these other people at her wedding or her husband or, or you know her fiance whatnot um, and potentially the death of her unborn child. And yes. there's so many movies like this. There's so many revenge movies. I mean, there was, I think what I saw in the in the trivia, like there's a movie from the 60s called The Bride Wore Black, which is like 
basically the same plot. And uh-huh. I, which I'm fine with, I kind of think, I think I was talking about this with Johnny when we did our Scream 3 episode. Um, but like, I don't, I don't need horror movies to reinvent the wheel plot wise. I just like, you go to different restaurants and you get a really good burger. I don't need you to make it this whole weird thing. I just want a really good fucking burger. Maybe you put bacon jam on it. Maybe you cook the fries in goose fat. Maybe you do this or do that. But at the end of the day, I want a burger and fries and I want to be satisfied. And I kind of feel like action movies and horror movies could be the same where it's like, I came here for a certain meal. I just want you to do it well. Don't add all this like arugula to the situation. Ugh. I hate arugula. Exactly. Sorry, Ina. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And I think for as much style and as much, you know, uh, in terms of like the the timeline is, is, you know, not is nonlinear. And, you know, there's just so much kind of ornate or in ornamentation to the movie in and of itself. The story is nothing new. And that's I think that's smart to like keep that simple and then do lots of other interesting things with how you tell that story. Yes, two things. Uh, the first is, uh, Keon told me last or yesterday that you guys did Scream Three, and I had to like do a lap around the house because I was just thinking about Scream Three, <laughs> specifically Parker Posey. I mean, she is the reason for the season. Now, come like on, that now. whole like I did not fuck that pig Milton to get murdered in this house, and then she gets stabbed, and her and Gail just look at each other and scream. Ugh, it yeah. is. It's Chef's Kiss, so I'm I'm very excited to listen to that. I've been saving it. I haven't had the time, but super oh, good. I mean, I'll you know I'll say this about Scream Three. I I really I had a good time with it because you know I I like the original Scream, and I have a lot of issues with Scream Two. I think it it's a complete piece of like logical Swiss cheese. It makes no sense. Sure. Uh, Scream Three. You know I. I went along for the ride, but then I saw a little video on YouTube after we, like, recorded the episode where someone was pointing out, like, clearly there's a second killer. And I was like, yes, of course. How did I miss this? Of course you're right. So uh, that's, you know, something missed in that episode that I want to amend here is that, no, I do think there's a second killer, and she got away with it. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. I— I want to revisit it. I mean, I used to be, I know we're going way off track here, but like I really used, those were like the only horror movies I ever watched and I watched them religiously. Oh. Like I watched them a lot. I really loved it. I even had the ghost face uh, Halloween costume that I like, begged my mom for because it was expensive. Like it was, I feel like, I don't know, it was probably like 25 bucks like in right. the year 2002. <laughs> but I was like, I had to have it. And I scared oh. my brother once. Uh, by hiding in the dining room, and I feel guilty to this day because if someone ever did that to me, it's curtains. Over, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I would probably have a heart attack on sight anyway. So, uh, but yeah, I really those movies are great. Yeah, that you know. Well, now it's like I, you know, we we talked a bit in the Scream up three episode about Scream four, and I have never seen Scream four, so I'm a little excited to maybe navigate that. Even you know, we're recording this on Halloween afternoon. Speaking of I Halloween, know. maybe I'll watch Scream four tonight. Oh, that'll be cool. I don't remember anything about Scream four. I'm like a Scream three and earlier, and then I just watched Scream six, so that's fresh on my brain. But I don't remember the one after, like the the one. Oh, before that was like. Oh, Five the grade. guy who's, yeah, the one who's, um, that guy who's like Melanie, no, 
Randy Quaid, not Randy Quaid, Dennis Quaid's Dennis son. Dennis Quaid's son. Yeah, he's got like yes, little. He's, a, he's got little features. He's got like a little nose. Yeah, he's like an elf. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's where you know we talked about this on the after show, and we'll get back to Kill Bill in a second, folks. But like we were talking about like self image last week, and oh, I used to hate my nose, and now I love my nose, and I more nose the better. Yes to nose, you know. And mm-hmm. Dennis Quaid's son is an example of like you need more nose, honey. Yeah, it's like a little button. It's a little button. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if you're I don't know if you're Meg's son because I know Meg and Dennis were together, but you got Meg's nose, you know. Oh yeah. I'm speaking of Meg, uh Keon and I watched um When Harry Met Sally last night. It was his first time ever watching it and it was such a joy. Oh wow, again, you just you revisited yeah. that so recently. Okay. I well, I knew I wanted to watch it in the fall again because yes. it feels like a fall movie and he had never seen it and I was like, "Uh, we we, we got to do this tonight." So, uh, you know, quick hour and a half, bada hey. bada boom. But yeah, it's one of the things we loved about it. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Well, anyway, <laughs> we've talked about the screams. We've talked about when Harry met Sally. Let's talk about <laughs> Kill Bill Volume 1. Now, obviously, like this was originally supposed to be, a, you know, an epic four-hour movie or four-hour script. And, you know, people who are listeners to this podcast may know that we sometimes have opinions about movie lengths. But I also sometimes love sinking into a long movie like i think once it's like going swimming in a cold pool like once you get in and you get used to it you're like honestly i could do this for a little while and i would say not that i was dissatisfied where this cut off but by the end of the movie i was like i could keep going on this journey you got oh yeah you know yes it really does uh, take you there. I, it, I really, Keon said as we were watching too, he almost like said, you could fast forward through this part when she goes to, I think it was Okinawa to get the sword. Mm. And it's mm. it's really the only like lag in the movie, but it's cute, you know, and I, it's important to the plot. Like she has to have that type of sword. That's what she wants. So, um, you know, why not? But like the whole discourse between like the restaurant owner slash sword maker and like just like that guy that came through. I was like, we don't, really need this um yeah but yeah that but other than that, that all that all felt like you know oh this is like an homage to something like i think i'd read yes. some of that dialogue was lifted from another movie um and i guess that oh, guy nice. who plays hitori hamzo uh shinichi chiba i guess he's like a big fucking deal yeah that's what keon uh, said I, I i feel yeah. like it was just kind of a a scene to you know, give him a little bit of a platform. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'd rather see the sword making. Show me the sword making. Yeah. Well, you know, because I, I, I had the same feeling. It was like the movie rips by. Like, it opens. And, I mean, that opening scene of her just, like, beaten bloody in a wedding dress. And it's like she's about to say, like, the baby's yours. And he shoots her in the head. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. here we are. And, I mean, that's such a long shot on Uma that, of course, my first thought is also like, Uma fucking Thurman. Yeah. She's I, – I, I just looked at the IMDb. I thought I thought there were some Oscar noms for Uma for this. I really thought there were because she needs one. She's yeah. got some great fa- – uh, grace. She has some great face journeys in this, too. Even without seeing volume two, just volume one, the the face journeys, the emotional range, the like, I mean, I think that us included, we, we give big points for like big emotional acting, but also the like the physical performance. Like I know she's got Zoe Bell, the body double. And so like, you know, flowers to her as well. But 
you know, just what it takes to create all of that. Like Uma's got no small part of that, and it's it it is just incredible. I think there are mov- movies like this. It's incredible to watch the fighting in the same way that it's incredible to watch like Beatrice Strait fighting a network. Like there's, you know what I mean? Like, yep. like oh my god, you're you're I'm. I'm fully believing this moment, even, you know, whether it's a physical fight or a verbal fight, you know? Yeah, because you're on her side immediately. I mean, you see her get shot in the head and she's in a coma for like four years. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, that, I mean, the shot of her realizing that her baby is gone and her holding her stomach is just like so good. And you feel that rage. You, You want her to get revenge. And, um, yeah, so it feels very satisfying. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's, I'm also like fully on her side, and I feel like you know, for the most part, our our real introduction to her, the bride, or what's her name, Beatrix, or something like that, um, is in the scene with Vivica Fox, and you know, so like the introduction is just her, like them having that insane fight, and then when it switches to like you want some coffee after her daughter gets home, and they're talking in the kitchen, and. I, there was a line that that Uma has of like um, about revenge. She's like, "Oh, this isn't revenge. Revenge would be if I killed oh, you, yes. and then I kill. I went upstairs and I killed your daughter, and then I killed the good doctor. You know, whatever his name was. And then she goes, then we would be square. And mm-hmm. she does the square with her fingers. And I was like, you are so hot. You are so cool. Yeah. You like the Eileen Davidson Award for being so hot and so cool goes to Uma Thurman." I love this opening scene. I love it just as, like, because it, it's just, like, it packs such a punch. It's, like, really kind of the opening scene, I guess, minus, you know, her getting shot in the head in black and white. But I, I think it's so stylized, the way she pulls up in the pussy wagon, the way that's, like, there's a callback to that later, and you see why she's in the pussy wagon. Mm. That keychain needs to be sold. I'm sure it are, someone has already made that pussy wagon keychain. But um, I, um, but... I just love like when they're in front of that big bay window and then the bus pulls up and yeah. they, that they both know what's up and at least like they're mm-hmm. going to let the daughter in. But I wouldn't tr- I wouldn't turn my back on Uma for a second. Like I was like no. how but it also adds like tension to the scene. Like how long is this actually going to go on before they start fighting again? Right. And like at that point, we don't even know like the fact that they stop for a coffee break. It's like, oh, Maybe, well, and because it's Vivica Fox, you're like, oh, well, like she's not going to die in the next few minutes. Yeah. Like th- this will get played out in some way. And but I, I did vaguely remember. I was like, something happens with a box of cereal. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, that's right, she does die. And I mean, and especially given the connection of like the you know be Beatrix or the bride or whatever, and like her daughter, then that moment with. Uh, Vivica Fox's daughter, what's her name? Uh, uh, Nikki the, or Nikia? Nikki, yeah, with Vernita's daughter Nikita, where she was like, you know, I didn't intend for you to see this, and then she's like, yeah, if you, when you're older, if you're still, you know, if you're still raw about this, like, come find me. And I was like, God, I love you. Yes, you bitch. That's so like, come find me. And I think that connecting that to the moment when they stop when the bus shows up, and I think connecting to a lot of moments in this movie is that like while there's a lot of violence there's these like moments of like honorable fighting yeah you know? yes and i think that's what this was and i think we see that later with uh with oran and we really i mean even with uh hattori i mean i think there's so much to him about you know 
uh, who he's making, you know, not making swords for fighting anymore. And there's just like a lot of, there's the quotes about like when you're fighting your enemy, like you have to put aside, you know, your emotions and your compassion and just focus on, you know, extinguishing your enemy. There's so much of a, of a point of view about like, it's not meaningless violence, you know? Yeah, it's important because it's there's a lot of violence. So it's, it's like mm. if you're not on board with it or don't see why she's doing it, then none of, none of this works. Um, and I I wonder how, like you said before, you make a good point. Like if um, Copperhead, I'll call her Vivica A. Fox, um, if she didn't shoot the gun through the cereal and just like, I mean, but who knows? Like I would I would be I would still feel so vulnerable even with my kid upstairs that she, you're going to kill me regardless. You might say you're not going to kill me in front of my kid, but I feel like you're going to anyway, so I'm going to kill you first. Um and mm. you know, and it's just ironic because I feel like Vivica A Fox was like her her knife work is like her weapon of choice and that's how um I mean, we'll call her Black Mamba really, Uma, uh how she mm. kills her. It's so good. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess there's that too, right, of like kind of using somebody's specialty against them. And I guess we see that with Oren later where it's like there's that whole thing about like, oh, Caucasian blonde girl trying to fight like a samurai. And then Uma's like, well, you know, yeah, (laughs) you'll eat those words. And I just I I just I really appreciate and I think this is such an elevation from so like a typical just like bloody action movie is like they're. I, I understand why the violence is happening. And while it is like a pretty violent movie and I typically don't love a lot of on-screen violence, I don't know. I mean, there were only a few times I really looked away and, yeah. uh, and it was, I mean, and, and even then I peaked a little, you know, like when she's in the hospital later and she's slamming the door. Oh on God, I know. I know. Nurse's head. And I was like, well, he kind of deserves His it. name is I'm Chuck and he loves to fuck. <laughs> Oh, uh, which, you know, what I love about that, and maybe you saw this in the trivia, but that is a reference to the first line in Toby Hooper's follow-up to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Eaten Alive, the movie with Marilyn no Burns and Kyle way. Richards. Yeah, it's the first line in the movie, and it's said by Robert England, who went on to play Freddy Krueger, and he says, you know, my name's Buck, and I'm rare enough. Fuck. Oh, Buck, the not first Chuck. Line the movie. <laughs> wrong Uck. Yeah, Buck. Wrong Uck name. Yeah, wrong Uck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which reminds me, have you ever heard of the movie or seen the movie Chuck and Buck? No. Okay. I don't want to get on a whole tangent because I know we spent all that time in Scream earlier, and I don't know if people, you know, I think people are, you know, at this point, almost like 300 yeah, go episodes for it. in. Whatever. Deal with it, girl. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> um, so it's. It's this weird. It was written and directed by Mike White of Mike Ooh, of the White Lotus love fan, that. Uh, fame, and it's about like Mike White. And I feel like I always want to say it's Ben Affleck, but it's um it's some other guy who's kind of like uh, I'm gonna look it up a Ben Affleck Chris type. Something. I'm like Casey Affleck. A, <laughs> yes, a Ben Affleck type named Casey. But anyway, uh, it's about like two old childhood friends, and uh, they reconnect. And oh, it's Chris Whites, Wheats, Whites, whatever. Okay. Anyway, they reconnect, and uh, I feel like some weird things happen, and they eventually have sex. So I whoa, yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know if it's worth seeing, but I and I, I don't. I wasn't necessarily like turned on by Chuck and Buck, but you know, there you go. That's my Chuck and Buck story. That's all I got for you. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fuck. yeah. Chuck and Buck, and they love to fuck. Yes. Yeah. 
Oh goodness! I um, we were talking about violence, and I don't know if this is in the IMDb too, but one of the first trivia bit that Keon told me, even the first time around too, when they get to the Lucy Lou scene, and like when she's fighting, you know, there's so much fighting and so much blood that they, I guess, like whoever the powers that be told Quentin Tarantino that he it had to be in black and white because there was so much blood, like and violence mm. that already happened in the movie that that's the only way they could have moved forward with it uh which i love and i don't love because that would have been so cool to see it in color um and it just looks like water sometimes keon made that comment but it's still effective yeah yeah i saw i saw that in the trivia like that's like an old trick of your if you want to air a movie on tv or get around the mpaa that you just like you know if it's black and white they can't tell that it's blood i part of me i was like yeah i think because it was such a spectacle that we had seen already with like some of the other beheadings and whatnot i thought oh yeah show us everything but then in that like texas chainsaw massacre kind of vibe it was like not seeing it is making my imagination go wilder you know yeah yes 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 um Um, so i mean vivica i mean we talked about it it's unfortunately she's the first to go that we see because i I feel like there was someone before her right wasn't that on the list yeah yep so it it, and it like fucked with my brain because it goes out of order where vernita is the second on the list but she's the first chapter and then oren is the first on the list and then we so it's like the last fight that we see in volume one is the one Uh, i see i see yeah yeah it's kind of cool though like to kind of piece that together in a way yeah like to then think that like oh she like went through all of that in japan you know rolled Sophie's body down to the hospital and hit the road and went back to America and then went and hunted down Vernita because she found out from Sophie where I think that was how she found out where they were. Oh, I did not even put that together. Whoa. This is like, yeah. Cause I think, okay. She, I think the idea was like, you're going to tell me where yep. they are and every, and you know, for every time you refuse, I'm going to remove something. And so it was yeah. like, you know, that's how she finds out where Vernita is and Bill and Bud and where she found out where, uh, or she already knew where Oren was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She killed her. Yeah. Oof. That's awesome. It's great. It's great revenge. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. I, uh, cause yeah, so she, she kills Vernita and then we get a flashback, you know, again to her in the hospital and that, you know, then we go back and that's where we first meet L. Ella L. Driver, played by podcast alum Daryl Hannah. Uh, she's so hot and cool. Like, this is a Halloween costume, a great Halloween yes. costume. Yes. I mean, also, you know, that was one of the things I took away from this movie was like, and again, it's 2003. And so there were things like that, like that song, that woohoo song and all that. Yes. Was like, oh, this is where that all, like, where people discovered this. And, and, this was all pre like Apple iPod commercials. You know what I mean? Like realizing that like, Oh my God, this, this isn't cheesy and on the nose because people hadn't been like playing that song into the ground or playing these, these looks into the ground. But honestly, between L driver's look, her nurse's look with the little patch and obviously Uma's yellow jumpsuit, Uh. her Bruce Lee jumpsuit later. I'm like, I, I love these references. I think these are just such cool. I want to see Drag Race references. Kill Bill on the runway. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, we we meet Elle Driver, who has come to the hospital where the bride is in a coma. 
and she's going to, I guess, you know, inject her with something to kill her in her sleep. And that's when Bill calls and says, you know, and again, going back to that honorable thing of like what we're not going to do is like sneak into her room and kill her. You know, yep. there's no honor in that. Like she survived. If she wakes up, then, you know, we've got more work to do. And I thought that was like. I don't know. I just thought it was so cool. And I love how pissed she was. I love that she was like, I can't remember what she said, but she's just like screaming on the phone, like Shirley MacLaine in terms of. <laughs> yeah, we don't fucking owe her anything. Like she yes, gets really yes. low and guttural too. Uh, yeah, it's it's perfect because one, the movie would be over. And two, it just like adds texture and like, um, you know, like you said before, there's honor in the way that they fight. It's, it's going to be a fair fight. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that that puts the end to that plan. But then, oh, my God, I gasped like Keon when Buck joined and when I realized what was happening. I and know. That, it's like, so gross. Yeah, that the, this, you know, this nurse or whatever uh, was, I, I don't know, he was maybe he's a doctor. I'm not, no, Nothing against nurses. I'm not saying, oh, a nurse would do this, not a doctor. Sure. Um, <laughs> I saw a hand that rocks the cradle. I know what happens. <laughs> I've but, never seen it, but uh, it sounds oh, terrifying. It, it's good. Julianne Moore in an early role plays the friend. Oh, we love yeah, a friend. So we love a friend. Um, but oh, my God, when I realized that he was like letting people pay to fuck her and she was awake, we knew she was awake. And I was like, oh, my God. And for some reason, I thought again, I hadn't seen this, but I thought, oh, no. Are we going to have to, like, like you know that scene in 30 Rock where we get the flash of, like, Pete having sex with his wife? Yes. And it's and it's Paul Appel just, like, laying there snoring in the bed. Yes. And I just feel like that's what I was expecting here. <laughs> of, like, oh, yes. oh no, we're just going to have to see, like, this guy humping this lump of a woman. So oh I was God. so relieved that she just, like, took care of him too sweet. I love that you made that reference, that 30 Rock. I thought, because there's another 30 Rock <laughs> reference where Pete is living with Liz and he's like, she thinks he's having an affair. And then Jenna walks, like, he's wearing like this, uh, like, uh, like, what is that called? A fedora. She's like, oh, and, yes, and uh-huh. Jenna's like, look at him. She lists like two things. She's like, this is happening. This is happening. The sexy Justin Timberlake fedora. He's having an affair, Liz. And she's like, no way. <laughs> and Paula, like, she catches. Pete and Paula and Ben, and she has, like, Pop-Tarts on her tits. Like, she's holding Pop-Tarts oh, right. up to her boobs. It's so good. Right. Um, yeah, this is, like, the the flash, and he's, like, think about it, and then it cuts back, yes. and she's just, like... <sighs> yes, I remember that one, too. And she's, it's a good <laughs> snore. Um, it's great. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. It's so gross. And just, like, the way that this is set up is, like, I... Oh, God, does this really happen? It's so... It, like, takes you there to have, like... Because people are mm-hmm. sick, and who knows what happens in hospitals? Because I don't know what this sort of, like, wing is called. Like, people that are, like, sort of in long-term comas. It's so disgusting. But it makes for great t- uh, TV. It makes for, like, this great scene. Because she basically bites this guy's fucking lip off. Oh, God. Yeah. I think she... It, was it his tongue at first? Cause Maybe. Something that she's, like... I thought she was, like, pulling Lip or tongue, tongue or something. Oh, 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 gosh. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. And it, but also like you deserve thank God. it. So, yes. Yeah. Um and then I think and it's like I mean the music in this movie is from so many different like sources and like I I could it sounded like very 80s but whatever the music was when that nurse comes back and like it's this like slow-mo of discovering she's like crouched down like 
holding a knife or holding Buck's knife. And it was just this like great moment of I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know where this music's coming from. I don't know what this is a reference to, but like I'm getting the warm feelies, you know, yeah. just love the style you're bringing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I going back to even the um, I, I, I want to call it like the siren. But when she ever gets like pissed, you know what I mean? When she's about mm. to kill. Do you remember that movie that I think I assigned you as a cartoon movie and Maya Rudolph played the mom? And like her baby was in trouble, and like she has this amazing fight scene at the end. The movie's oh, called of like course. yeah, it's called like We're the Millers, but that's not what it's called yep. at all. Um, and it yeah. and that sound plays. And I remember when we first, Keon and I first watched it, we were cackling. It was so funny because then she goes like ape shit on like the aliens or whatever the she's fighting in that movie. So a, a great reference and an iconic uh, soundbite. Yeah, that I, I had like heard that sound before, and I was like, I, and I obviously it was like this is coming from some kind of old reference. So apparently, it's originally from this show called Ironside, okay. and then I think it was used in another movie as well. That I think it's supposed to be a reference to, but that was I had to look that up because I was like, where, where is the origin of this? Because I, I'm when I heard it, I, I heard it as this kind of like basically a, a Kill Bill reference. You know what I yep. mean? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, the, I love, I mean, it's like, it's such a device now, but like, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't it's annoy cool. me. It's yeah. not air guitar, you know? Yeah, it's like the, uh, it's like, <laughs> it's like the siren that goes off of the wave pool when the waves are about to start. I just get so excited. <laughs> Do you like a wave pool? Unless, Probably not. <laughs> well, I I had a bad experience <gasps> at the infamous Action Park. Oh my goodness. In, uh, wherever that is in New Jersey. Uh, you know about Action Park. Where, like, I don't you know, actually. Oh, okay. So Action Park became like there's I think a documentary about it called like Class Action Park or something. But it Ooh, was this clever. in the summer it was a water park and I think it was like Alpine, New Jersey. In the summer it was a water park called Action Park. And then in the winter it was like a ski resort. And as a as a water park in the summer, I mean, it was there were no regulations in some of the designs of these slides. I mean, it's a whole shit show. It's so Oof. worth seeing, but people got injured all the time at Action Park. Yours truly included. Uh, there was one time, so they had a big wave pool, and there was another. I got hurt. I got hurt somewhere else, but like the wave pool, I. I fell out of or I wasn't in my inner tube and then I started to realize like oh shit oh shit I can't like I'm I'm going under I'm going under and so I had to like furiously swim to the edge of the pool and then just like gasp for dear life I mean Whoa. I was like I I was like the bride trying to drag herself out of the hospital I was like wiggle your big toe bitch yeah. get out of that pool <laughs> You know, um, oh, that's so, terrifying. Yeah, there was no alarm. Nobody warned me. But that's action park oh, for you. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I had not a similar experience, but I had a very we. There's this park in Pittsburgh called Sandcastle. It still exists and it's great. But they had body slides, uh, not a tube slide. And it was three of us: it was my dad, my brother, and me. We all went on three separate paths. And my dad, it's really funny when we bring this up, but like you know. It's the story that always gets told at holidays, but my dad whizzed down it like Christmas vacation, like Clark when he greased right. up his sled. And my brother and I were both just like tubby preteens, both got <laughs> stuck on this. Like it just like came to a grinding halt. Like there was, there might as well have been like sand in that water slide. There was no water to be found. Oh, no. And I didn't know my brother was going through a similar experience. We both were stuck. And like we were kids. So we thought there was someone going to be like, 
sent behind us and it was it was going to be a traffic jam and i like i feel at one point i almost stood up because there was no moisture on this slide but eventually oh i got down my brother and i were both crying and my dad like he was like skimming across the water like a stone that's been thrown on a pond <laughs> it was it was crazy it was like and my mom was and like it was like the second slide we rode and we're like i hate it here oh my, my God. dad was like shut up <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, the airport, like, the baggage coming out of the, like... Yes! The, the check oh, bags God. tumbling out onto the carousel. <laughs> yes. It was it was something to behold. But, um, yeah. Ugh. Water yeah. parks, man. But anyway. Um, anyway. It's going back to the scene where she slams that guy's head. And it's like, you almost feel bad for him. And I'm so glad that they asked... Or they asked. I don't know where that came from. They added... Um, that extra scene of um, of Uma remembering that he also raped her probably yeah. multiple times first. And then she finally gives like one final slam to the head. And he like the way his leg like tremors a little bit, like because his brain is just like damaged. It's I it's mean, it and I wonder if it was a reference, but it was very much like Kirk's death in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <gasps> when he's like Whoa. shaking on the floor. Yeah. Oh my God. I okay. Know. So I I would not be surprised to see Quentin Tarantino lifting anything from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So and yeah, I would that makes not begrudge sense. it. Yeah. Um but yeah, then she she you know skedaddles out of there and gets and so it's his his truck is the pussy wagon. This awful yes. nurse, it's his car is the pussy wagon. And yeah, I mean I love I you know, you could queen out all day on just the idea or the the concept of like wiggle your big toe. Like all you gotta yeah. do is wiggle your big just toe. start small. And the yeah. way that she's just like calm, she's like, but for thing first things first, I just gotta wiggle this big toe. Yeah. I just yeah. gotta you know, wiggle your big toe. And then I love when she's like when she finally wiggles it, she's like, Hard part's over. Now let's get these other yes! piggies wiggling, you know? I loved that because like for anyone who's just like wanting to start something, like yep. Starting is the hard part. Wiggling that first toe, even though there's so you got the rest of those toes. Let's get these piggies moving or something. Yeah, I don't let's know get these other said. piggies wiggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's so true, and and I, I don't know. I really really like that. I did too. I thought, yeah, and it's like so she you know because I think it's like that's when we get the flash to Oren's past. I think is when she's in the pussy yes. wagon. So we get the anime, you know, uh, past for Oren, which was really interesting. Um, and it's like, I'm sure there were a number of reasons, but like part of it was like, yeah, some like given the fact that a child's involved in a lot of this, you probably didn't want to film this in real life. But I also just yeah. get the stylistic choice to be like, well, let's, let's tell it as anime, you know? Yeah, and maybe it's, like, less blood, I guess, because the blood in the cartoon was so... It was almost, like, beautiful to behold, yeah. like, whenever they, like, kill the parents, unfortunately. And even, like, the sword going through the bed and almost getting, you mm -hmm. know, young Oren hiding under the bed. It was just, like, super stylized, super cool. I, I really liked it. Um, yeah. yeah. And and then we cut back to, you know... And, and so that's when it cuts back and she, like, you know, finally gets the, the big toe wiggling. And then it's... 13 hours of her just sitting in that car doing physical therapy. And I know. I think that's also like an important like second part of like just wiggle your big toe, just start. It's like once you start, then you then you go. Like the that's it. I think the fact that we don't see the 13 hours is almost a suggestion not that those aren't hard, but the hardest part is over. Yep, I think so too. It's but it does feel like 
I mean, that's like the work. Like no one sees the work. They only see like the finished product. It's like when mm-hmm. you see someone who's like suddenly the it girl or the it guy in Hollywood or whatever, you know, it, they've been working for 30 years. You've just never noticed. So, right. you know. Right. And Dowd. Yeah. Or Margot Martindale getting that Emmy for Justified. Sometimes sometimes things just take time, she yeah. says. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Whenever you see those things about, like, people who, you know, they didn't start their career until they were 38, till they were 45. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't. I mean, I guess, you know, I didn't start my Salesforce career until I was there we 38. Go. So I guess I get it. But, you know, uh, so uh, sure, Marco, sometimes these things take time. I agree. It's true. Uh, but yeah, indeed. Then uh, the bride gets the gets the fuck out of there, and I think so. Is that I guess is when? No, because then that is what then she then goes to Tokyo after that to meet with yes. Tori Hanzo. Yes, and we we touched upon this briefly too. It's like she, you know, she pretends to be like this American girl who doesn't know Japanese, and mm-hmm. like it's it, like she she knows what she's there for, and she's very clever and very charming. Like I just think. Again, there's so many facets of this performance, too. And it's not fake. It's like, you know, the way that she talks to him about, like, the vermin that she has to kill and the way Mm. that he sort of understands that, even without knowing who it, like, really is first. And, you know, eventually she tells him what he's there for. She goes up and looks at the swords, but he decides... He's she he's not going to give her one of the swords he already made. He's going to make her a new one. And I just love that. I love... In the second one, there's, like... There's like a training montage that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So and like, I can't wait for it. I and that's what I thought it was in this one, but it's not. Like, um, but it's super cool to see. Yeah, th- this was a cool nuance where he was like, "I don't make swords to fight anymore. Like, I've retired from that. Like, I can't, I can't sell you one of these swords." And she's like, "Well, I don't want you to sell me one. I want you to give me one because like." the vermin I need to kill is one of your former students. And she's like, yes. so basically she's like, so I think the least you could do, uh, you know, it's like, so, you know, given the debt you owe me. And that's when he writes the name bill on the window. And it's like, it'll, you know, you can stay here. I'll be done in a month. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Oh, that's, so I cool. know. <laughs> yeah. It's so, and like the way he writes bill, like the little, like the way he dots the eye yep. and, uh, Colin Keon picked up last night too when she erases Bill's name she like kind of goes and like wipes it off and there's just like a little bit left on the bottom left of that B and she just goes wink, 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 wink. oh it's yep. so good that little yeah, and, and what was interesting is at the end of the movie when she's writing her death list she writes the name Bill the same way that he did on <gasps> You're picking up on so much. Yeah. I, I I didn't even notice that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I thought, oh, that's a cool little detail. But uh. So yeah. The so then she, you know, he he makes her the sword, and you know, she, she slices the the baseball in half to prove it that it works. And yes. um. And apparently Zoe Bell really did that stunt. So I thought that was really no cool. No way. That's uh, cool. And so so Zoe Bell, she was the star of. Death proof. Yes, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Because she spends that, yeah. like half of the movie hanging outside of a car. Uh, I remember seeing mm-hmm. that in the theaters. That was really cool. So, um, but yeah. So then, now that now that she's got her sword, now she's off to Tokyo. And I love how all of the plane scenes and like they they're all so very clearly fake, but in a way that it's like I I swoon for that aesthetic of like a big fake airplane set. Yes, I don't know what it is. It does not feel cheesy. It almost feels like a Wes Anderson movie or something. Yep. I, don't, I don't know. Like, 
seeing her stare out the window and like all these fake little billboards and um Keon pointed out it might be in the IMDb trivia as well when Uma's walking in like the Tokyo airport there are like there's an ad for red apple cigarettes which are the type of uh like the brand of cigarettes she smokes in pulp fiction which is a little bit of a callback oh. which is really cute yeah oh cool uh yeah. I love that you know not to spoil anything for folks but there's there's the distinct possibility that you know November November may include Uma Thurman's best supporting actress, uh, best supporting you know Oscar nominated performance in Pulp Fiction, and I, yeah. and I've never seen that at all, but I kind of love seeing Uma in Kill Bill first, um, yeah, and then kind of and obviously Debbie Miller, um, just you know to say nothing of smash um rebecca duvall rebecca duvall but i kind of feel like to have all of those references before i see uma in pulp fiction i think is gonna be i don't know kind of lovely yeah it's a nice progression i think it's it's right feels good. yeah yeah uh and i just you know i know people have their opinions about quentin tarantino i know he's like into feet and whatever i don't yeah i, I a feel lot like of feet the, in this movie yeah. a lot of feet <laughs> you know wiggle your big toe put it in my mouth i don't care you know and so uh <laughs> And I don't, you know, we've we've talked about this so many times where it's like I I disconnect Rosemary's Baby from Rowan Polanski. I disconnect the, yes. the creator, you know, yeah. you disconnect the fact that like, you know, even this movie, wasn't this movie produced by Harvey Weinstein? He's in the opening yeah, credits, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, being relatively new to Quentin Tarantino, I feel like the one thing I can like throw all the flowers to him about is his recognition of the powerhouse talent of Uma Thurman, you know? Like, yeah. I just, I love the collaboration because she really is, and that was one of my big feelings, obviously, watching Hysterical Blindness, uh, but also this of like, oh no, we really don't, you know, we're really not talking about Uma Thurman enough. <laughs> yeah, the children have forgotten, as they, they say. Forgotten! Or they think yeah. that she's just like tall and pretty and blonde. It's like, well, she's tall, she's pretty, she's blonde, and... Uh, she kicks ass. And yeah. she kicks ass, and she's amazing. And have you seen her in Hysterical Blindness? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah hello what's to say uh, uh well uh she heads off to tokyo to confront oren who is the head of the yakuza now uh of this and and she is so i'm glad that she got i mean really like the last i would say what like last half hour of the movie if not more is really yeah. just like house of blue leaves segment Hmm. it's so perfect it's so good, and 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 we get like I mean that great moment where like that one guy is like questioning her as the leader, and like because she's not you know because she's half Chinese, part Chinese, part American, part Japanese, and like I just love how she deals with that so quickly, and she's like, and if anybody else has a fucking problem, let me know, and I just <sighs> I I oh it was so. It, there was just something so rewarding about seeing a woman just like deal with shit so efficiently and effectively. Oh yeah, one of my favorite nuances of that scene is when that guy starts like hooting and hollering at the end, and the guy sitting next to him says, "You can't say that" or whatever. Then he whips out this purple fan and just starts fanning yes! himself. Yes. Oh my god, I cackle every time. It is so. I don't know. It's like it's 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 uh, the gay whistle tones. Yes. <laughs> like who is that guy? And why was that approved? But I'm so glad he did it. Right. He whips out this fan, like stressing, stress fanning himself. I don't even know. Oh, such a yes, yeah, such a stressed out diva moment. I love that. Yes, but you're right. It's like she does not put up with that shit. Like the little pitter patter of her feet on the way yes. down, the yeah. way that it just happens so quickly. 
And, you know, if any of you have problems, I collect your fucking head. Yeah. I just love that. And uh, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, we don't get I, – I, I sympathize. Like, I didn't want to see uh, Bernita die, but I was like, well, okay, I, I already know you're going to. And I was yeah. like, well, obviously, no, all these people are going to go. But I I liked Vernita, but I guess the fact that we got so much of Oren's background and we kind of got to got to like some of her choices leading up to the fight and even into the fight, I was – I really didn't want her to die. And I think that's really impressive in this movie where like these people are awful and you know, Uma's got every right to do what she needs to do. But like, I just want them to shake hands sometimes, you know, cause I love these characters. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's like, there's a certain level of respect too, between these two women. I feel like these are, you know, especially Lucy Liu because she has a similar story like she rose to prominence and like is where she is now because of like an act of revenge against her family and her loved ones and that's the same path that um you know uma's taking as well too so it's just like can't you guys just like band together and like kill bill right right (laughs) but you know yeah oren participated in you know the the massacre in that church so she's she's guilty yeah at the end of the day it's like hey you know uh you do what you need to do. And I mean, so I think it's like, uh, you know, Uma. Well, I love that Uma, this is when Uma gets into that yellow and black yes. jumpsuit. And I, this look is so cool. And I loved, I think it's a soundtrack from another movie, but it's a, it's a score that uses Flight of the Bumblebee as part of its score. And so I oh, loved nice. that that was playing while she was on the motorcycle following Sophie, Sophie Fatale um, yes. in the car. And I was like, oh, I just love like, Flight of the Bumblebee, and you're dressed like a bumblebee right now. I love yeah. this. Yeah. This movie has a killer soundtrack, too. Like, I really think a lot of, like, even though that woo-woo, woo-woo-woo song mm-hmm. is on there, that's like a Travelocity commercial now or something. Right. Like, it's... And Quentin Tarantino found that band at, like, the Tokyo airport or something like that, and he was like, I need to have them in my movie. That's how that happened. I read that, and I, and yeah. I thought it was so cool. And I, and I thought they were, I mean, just the having them like all in you know, obviously barefoot because that's what of he course. loves um yes. and like it, there was just something so like what era is this because i know they're like the the, the song is like a it might even be a cover of something from the 60s but it's certainly a throwback yeah, to like 60s surfer music um but i loved how like the scene in the the house of blue leaves it felt like we were at the the dance party in cactus flower oh yeah yes you know? yes very that. It was yeah. awesome. I mean, so I guess we we can start at the restaurant, too. It's a great set piece, too, for this, like, epic fight that happens. Oh, my and God. And even at, even at the very beginning, too, like, the music's happening. They take Oren and her posse upstairs for, like, this dinner. And, like, the restaurant owner, like, the husband and wife, they're so annoying and so silly. But it, it, it adds to it. It kind of – we need that in a way. Oh, yeah, and that totally they exist because, it, yeah, it's like the, the restaurant owner or manager and the guy who's dressed up like Charlie Brown. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, like, I I appreciated them as, like, oh, yes, like, this is the the kind of service that O-Ren and her, like, you know, band of, of killers would expect in a restaurant like this. And, um, and I think it adds something later when, like, the manager, like, after everyone, after the huge, you know, massacre happens and the manager's just like standing there screaming in the middle of the the dance floor oh slipping on the blood yeah i was like that's a cool that's a cool detail 
Oh yeah, and and I'm sure you. I never catch these things, so this is not me saying it. But the continuous shot of once that woohoo song starts, just like following everyone around the restaurant, was one shot was mm-hmm. really cool. Like if if someone says it to me, I notice, but I never notice that stuff. I wish I was, I wish I was smarter. But I just I I never pick up on that. But it was cool. Uh, yeah, no, I I note I felt like there I I didn't maybe pick it up until there was like. A, a single shot like following it was like following Uma into the bathroom and then following Sophie Fatalis. She made her journey through the restaurant into the bathroom. Yes. And took back that was a shorter call. one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I noticed that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, cool. so Uma's hiding in the restaurant. There was that really cool moment where she was like outside of their room and it's like Oren has almost like a psychic realization and just like throws that dart through the wall. And I was like, yes. Oh. And then, of course, we meet Best Supporting Gogo, who is... Oh, uh, Gogo Yubari. Gogo Yubari, who is Oren's uh, bodyguard. And I think is a great, like, even, like, assist, not even assistant to the BSA, featured ensemble. Just, like, a great... What a cool little role. Yeah, like, hot off the... Like, out of... Um... Battle Royale or something like yep. that. She looks like the girl that won Battle Royale. Like, it's it's so cool. Um and like her weapon of choice is cool. It feels like such like video game fodder. I, and again, like another great Halloween costume. Absolutely, I know. I feel like I feel like Uma in the yellow. I feel like L Driver, Gogo. I mean, I'm sure everybody's done these costumes ten times over. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but good. That's what I want to see. Uh, and I, so I love that that part where it's like once Oren realizes that that uh, I guess it's after. Uh, Uma cuts off Sophie's arm, and that's when Oren is like, "Tear the bitch apart," which yes. I love in Japanese, and the and the subtitles were all in caps. I love that. Yeah. Oh, she calls her out too. Uma was like, "Right, Oren. yeah." That's <laughs> right. Like, and we have like, unfinished business. Yeah, and they're on like opposite sides of the like uh, of the restaurant on the second floor, and yeah, then she cuts off Sophie's arm and. Uh, and it's, you know, it's like when the first kind of like the beginning of the battle happens and like each of each of Oren's henchmen try to kill, you know, Uma and then get killed. I was like, OK, all right. And, and now they're going to go outside and fight. But when like the floods of other fighters came in, part of me was like, oh, no. Yeah. What are you going to do? And I know. I just I mean, like, also. I have to say there was something about, especially like the guys who were kind of like with Oren er- earlier with those masks on. I don't know what it was, but you they were into it. doing something for me. All of them. I was like, oh, yeah, it's hot. It's like it's hot. they're in suits and that mask. Yeah, yep. it's hot. Yep. I just yeah, there, there was I mean, this was really doing something for me. I thought, you know, you guys could. You guys do whatever you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I will fight. Keep it on, please. Keep yeah. yeah. I'd like yeah. I'd like you to keep it on, please. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. And then you know just that. Oh, I guess it's like before all those guys flood in. That's when she fights Gogo. Oh yeah. Yes, that's right. Because she. I mean, Gogo had the upper hand for like really a lot of that fight too. And you start to worry for her, especially when she's being choked by that. But like, you know. Oh. She found a board with some nails on the end of it, and yeah. bye-bye, go-go. And I thought it was really smart the way that we were shown that. Like, we see, you know, Uma's getting choked by the chain. She grabs that, like, yeah, it was like that 
chair leg with the with, or whatever it was yeah with the with the nail sticking out she stabs her in the foot and then like swings it and like hits her in the head with it and we don't yeah. see we don't see that i love that the way that we see that gogo dies is we see the chain going slack on the floor and yep. i thought that was so smart to like instead of cuz i think it's like there is so much clear direct and also like gratuitous violence but i think it it's smart to also decide at certain points of like when are you you know kind of like texas chainsaw massacre if you will when are you not going to show it like when are you going to let us use our imagination yeah that's cool i mean i I gotta hand it to uma too like she really did look like she was being choked i don't know what she had to do to get to that point but her eyes were red at one point i was like whoa yeah yeah no that was i was i i don't know i have no idea she's just incredible i don't know if anyone's familiar with what she did in 2002 is an HBO movie is, you know, circle blindness, <laughs> you know, if you've seen that you wouldn't be surprised to tell you that much. Uh, yes. this woman could do everything. Uh, so yeah. So go, go dies. And then we get the, the floods of henchmen and everything goes black and white. And it, it almost got to the point where I think I was like, I got tired. You know what I mean? It was like, Oh my God, yes. it's still going on. Yeah, because it feels like she's almost down to like 12, but there's like suddenly 20 of them. And I'm like, she has Mm -hmm. to be done soon. And eventually, you know, she does kill everyone except one guy at the end that she spanks and says, go home to your mother, which I loved. I love that sort of like, I don't know. Again, we need these little bits of humor in there. It's it was so unexpected. When I think it was also like because it was like a young like kid who, you know, was was certainly like new to the Yakuza. And so I love that, A, she like cuts down his sword, kind of emasculates him, you know, yep, and -hmm. then spanks him. And she's like, this is what you get for messing with the Yakuza. Go home to your mother. And I think that there's like, again, there's something in there about like it's not senseless violence. So whether you want to, you know, connect this to like you know that she's a mother she is a mother herself or that there's just like where is there dishonor and killing like you also have to wonder how did this kid survive to the end maybe he just stayed I know, the, way yeah. the whole time <laughs> yeah. uh but i think it also what it, it also gives us like such a, a character nuance about uma that like she's not here to kill everybody and she can kind of recognize like kid just get the fuck out of here like yeah trust me like <laughs> this is this is your warning yeah, he already beat himself. I, and I love that at the very end when she kind of like surveys like everything she just did, like, and she has that great little like not a monologue, but like a little moment saying like the limbs you lost are now mine. Like mm. uh, it's just so cool. And she stands up on like the balcony there, and then it's finally time to go fight Oren. And this transition is so fucking cool to the snow, like when the doors open and how quiet yeah. it is. It's like. The Wizard of Oz. Yes. It's so unexpected. I was just going just gonna to say, it feels like when she steps into Oz and it was like, oh, my God, where are we? And yeah. I don't remember it snowing. And it's like, I don't care if it's the middle of summer. Like, this works. This is beautiful. And, like, the level, it, it kind of reminded me, uh, we, we talked about something before and now I can't remember what it was. But, like, the, the level of excitement I felt when... Um, Oren like takes off her shoes and then she takes her first step in the snow and that song starts. I fucking love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> so good. It's like, is this what like straight men feel when they watch like Die Hard? Sports. Yeah. Or sports? Like, is this the feeling? Because I 
I was just like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I was ready. And I think, and I, I think I, I read this in the trivia, but I think at some point she says like, well, I hope, you know, you've spared, you, you haven't used up all of your energy or else you won't survive another five minutes. And then the fight sequence goes on, like from her saying yeah. that to getting killed is like five minutes and 33 seconds. That's fucking cool. I mean, again, Quentin Tarantino, it's like you have to hand it to this guy. Like, he's a fucking great writer. Like, but it, you know, he's also weird. <laughs> sure. And, you know, it's like, I guess it, I, you think about like certain actors or writers, or I think there was even a TikTok I saw of a therapist who was like, we need to get over this idea that it's the well treating the sick. You know, it's like therapists are not like, Part of, like she said, part of the reason I'm so good at my job is because like I've been through some shit and I can like pick things up and feel things, and that comes up comes with some like real negative downsides. So like, yeah. I, I'm not well just because I'm a therapist, you know, and so I kind of yes. feel like I think the same way about certain writers, directors, actors, artists in general. Is like, look at what they're producing. Why are you expecting them to be? Like Betty and Joe Beer can, you know, yep. of course they're going to be weird, you know, uh, yeah. and, you know, that's like not as an excuse for people to do like bad things. It's like, oh, well, yeah. look at all. Of course, Harvey Weinstein did that. Look, he's an artist. But yes. um, yeah, yeah, I I can't look at what Quentin Tarantino does and then expect him to be normal. You know, ditto Jamie Lee Curtis, yep. you know. Sure. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, this I mean. For is like I the, the like the bulk of this, like the scene before this, I dare say is more exciting or at least more action packed because this fight, like you said, five minutes and thirty three seconds later, where the other fight took like twenty five minutes, it felt like, um, they get down to brass tacks too, and like it's very, you know, we mentioned the song that starts up and just like the way they they chat a little bit, but then they get into it, and I just love like when I don't know, it's just so fucking cool when. Lucy Lou like takes her sword uh like oh like they're beautiful swords by the way like I want a sword like this but I never I don't obviously but like I can see why people collect swords and stuff like this yeah I can see the beauty of it certainly yeah yeah the artistry um, and yeah there's that you know that that part where she gets a good you know she gets a good slice in on on Oof. the bride and, and that's I think where she says like Oh, you know, Caucasian blonde girl trying to, you know, fight like a samurai. And then they get to it again. Like Uma gets back up and I think she gets an injury. Like she cuts Oren's leg or something. And they have this like, I mean, this is where I was like, okay, Lucy Lou, I think you might be the BSA for this like long. It almost looked like she had started crying. I felt like there was like a tear, but there was just this like long acknowledgement, this long staring at each other. And that's when she said, uh, you know, for, you know, whatever it was, like, you know, mocking you earlier, I apologize. And yeah, there's so much. Oh, God, sorry. No, no, you. just just that, like, just like the the taking. If you think about it in comparison to like when, you know, uh, Vernita's like, you know, you want a cup of coffee? Like there's these, again, like, and and I dare say it's very much informed by the fact that these are women. That there is like, there is a, you know, there's some synapses going at the same time. There's an emotional connection to what's going on. Yeah, like the group of them together, because like you learn a little bit more about the history in the second one of just like that group. Um, But you're right. It's it's the added layer of being a woman, a woman in power, 
uh, being an underestimated woman in power, I guess, too. And, like, I just feel like there's some part of Oren that knows that I might lose this. Like, you just did this mm. to me, and I just sliced your back, <laughs> like, with an 18-inch, like, gash. Like, if you can do this, I'm a little worried. And, like, one of Uma's next lines is, like, are you ready? I think she says it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. To her, like... But in a way, it's like, are you ready to die? Not are you ready to continue? It means both at that time. Yeah, right. And and I love that it doesn't it doesn't take much long, you know, much longer. Yeah, like that last little Pretty battle, uh, and then yeah, and then she slices the you know the top of her head off. Um, Oof. Which reminds me, there's this like, there's this great Emily Dickinson poem, and I think the whole thing is, if I feel physically as if the top of my head were taken off, I know that is poetry. Ooh, yeah, and I'm not saying that this was a reference to that, but I mean, I'm not saying it's not. I mean, I wouldn't put anything past Quentin because I, I, he's a reference queen. You know, it's like he's the only thing he's not is gay. <laughs> I feel like if he was, yes. then all of this would make sense. But you know, he's a straight man, and that's also fine. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, he just loves feet. He just loves those feet. <laughs> and Emily uh, Dickinson. And Emily Dickinson. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, boy, did she have a big toe. You could, you could you work. Could. <laughs> you, know? you could, you could, that, this little piggy's going to market. Let me That's tell you right. what, you know? Um, but yeah. Uh, and so she, she, you know, it's, chops off the top of O'Ren's head and kills her. And then, uh, and then I think, yeah, then she's back on that very fake airplane yep, uh, making her kill list. And that's where we see, like, okay, oh, Ren, you know, uh, Vernita, yep. Bud, uh, oh, L Driver, and Bill. Oh, gosh. I can't wait for volume two. And, you know, spoiler alert for this final scene, you know, um, Sophie is, is back talking to Bill. He asks her what, mm. you know... Uh, what have you told her? And, you know, we said before, too, like, Uma basically gets it out of her where everyone is and all this stuff, too. You got to keep one of them alive. Um, But the last thing we hear in the movie is, does Bill says to Sophie, does she know that her daughter is still alive? And it's a smash cut. And I I gasped this time, too, because it's just something that I never really thought was possible. But what a great fucking ending. What a great ending. And, of course, like, slightly Amadovarian, like to end on a shot of a supporting character. Yeah. Like, oh, I just I stood up. I was like, yes, yes. This is I'm it. ready. This is ready what for you volume do. two. I'm ready. Yep. But I also like I yeah, I'm so ready for volume two. And I love that like that was the moment they ended volume one. Was was obviously that line is incredible, but the fact that the shot was on a very much supporting character. I just the decision. The decision. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I loved it. I just, it was so cool. And I'm, I'm so excited for volume two. I don't know what to expect. I hope we, I mean, I'm sure there's flashbacks, so we'll get to see more of Vivica and Lucy and whatnot, but, and obviously we get like 30 seconds of Michael Madsen in this movie, despite being fourth build. So, um, we get a lot of Daryl Hannah in the second too. So buckle. Oh yeah. That's That's true. And I, I think I've seen like, a. I think I've seen her get poked in the eye, which is not okay. really a spoiler given the sure. fact that we know. But it's like I've seen like two seconds of it, so I don't know yeah. what leads up to it. Sure. Uh, but yeah, this was this was so cool. And it's like, and we get to revisit it in a week. Yeah, I I love this world. I love these movies. It's 
I haven't watched it in like probably about six years. So it was cool to pick it up again. It's not something you necessarily put in, but why not? It's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I I really, you know, I'm I'm certainly a bit late to the you know the the world of Quentin Tarantino, and there's certain ones like Reservoir Dogs. I'm not gonna ever watch that. There's no yeah, women no in that. You don't need to. Uh, yeah, I'm probably never gonna see Inglorious Bastards or Hateful Eight. Yeah, oh, or, and maybe maybe I'll see Django Unchained. But I think this kind of like Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, The Kill Bills. Like, I think this is the world of Quentin Tarantino that I'm I'm excited by. Yeah, I think that side of the fence has more to offer. At least more women. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what it really comes down yeah. to is like, where are the women? Um, he didn't do From Dusk Till Dawn. That was Robert Rodriguez. But I always. Hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of that movie, be... actually. Well, maybe I have. Really? I don't. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. Oh, well, it's a it's a 90s classic. Um, I typed in from in Google and it knew exactly what I wanted. That's, Ooh, that's creepy. scary. Oh, he's he's in it. He's in it. He didn't. Uh, it's directed by Robert Rodriguez. He wrote the screenplay with Robert Rodriguez. Um, but it's a yeah, it's a horror movie. And uh, George Clooney's very. I haven't seen it. I might maybe I'll watch that tonight. But George Clooney's in it. He's really hot. Selma Hayek's really hot. Ooh. Julie uh, Juliette Lewis is great in it. Uh, so just some you know. Just some food details, but anyway, yeah, some food for that. That's like that's another like Quentin Tarantino related thing that I'd be interested in. Interesting, cool, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, well, I mean, I, I hate to, I hate to cut us short, but that's that's why there's a volume two next week. Uh, we are like many people in this movie being played off right now. Yeah, we got to wiggle our toes and get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, and get these piggies moving. So yeah. <laughs> uh, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kuchanov. How about you? Well, you can find me on my other podcast, All Right, Mary, where we are wrapping up our coverage of spooky movies, and we're starting our coverage uh, probably the weekend after this comes out. We'll be starting our Dragula Season 5 coverage. And uh, then you can find me on Instagram at Drucker underscore. And, of course, you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSAPod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, keep your peepers wiggling. Just keep them wiggling because uh, there's nothing to see here. We do not have a Best Supporting After Show this week. I don't know why that made me laugh. I was like, I don't think we're doing anything, but I'm excited yeah. to see where this goes. Keep them wiggling. Yeah. Uh, you know, given it's it's Halloween, we've, you know, we've got spooky it's things a busy to week. do. Yeah. It's a busy week. I've got, you know, I got Salesforce stuff to do. So we are not doing an after show this week, but there are so many after shows to go listen to if you are needing your fix and if you want access to them and you want, uh, you know, early access to episodes just like this and you just want to spend $5 a month for all that and more, uh, just go to patreon.com slash BSA pod. What a steal. Yeah, what a steal. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I think it is time for you and I to get into two pre-owned leased pussy wagons uh, <laughs> named Ruth and Cheryl and get the hell out of Stepford. Oh, yeah. It gives a whole new meaning. Sounds like a plan. It does. It does sound like a plan. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, cool. Well, then I guess that, as they say, is that. <laughs>